it was horrible. Uh, I ended up uh, in counseling uh, on antidepressants, eventually having a relapse uh, after nearly 23 years. Uh, it was it was such agony. My family could see for, for me just living as an empty shell of a being. If you are doubting your Christian faith, Bobby and I know how agonizing it can be. And we want to provide some relief from those doubts by giving you some practical steps on what to do when you doubt. Freedom from doubt is possible, and we hope that we can help you find it. Welcome to the show that loves doubters. Here in Christianity Still Makes Sense, we are making sense of the doubts that can deconstruct our Christian faith with near apostate and now pastor and apologist, Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Our first step is that we need to understand that you aren't alone, that others have doubted as well. Now, Bobby, you went through a season of doubt. How would you describe your experience? Oh, Tim, I mean, it was absolutely agonizing. I, I cannot even describe the horror and the hollowness and what I felt. At times, I, I can remember just an emptiness so profound, the, the sense that, I, God, where are you? I went from, you know, having this vibrant, connection with the Lord, sensing him so close in my life, uh, his palpable presence to feeling abandoned, forsaken. Where are you, God? To questioning uh, all these answers that I once thought I had. And it was absolutely like being spiritually filleted. Uh, I, I remember driving one time and I could just envision myself hanging from a cliff uh, and having no strength left. And it was as if the tip of my fingernails were just scratching away from the rock as my legs hung over this cliff that I was about to slip into called apostasy. I felt literally like I was losing my salvation mm. uh, and I desperately wanted God to rescue me and pull me out of this. I hated my doubts. I was in a season where I kept reading and reading and reading and reading obsessively. So just trying to find answers and then I would find some answers and then I would collect more questions and it just overwhelmed me. Uh, and I can honestly say, I mean, I've known different Christians who've suffered from doubt. Uh, and I'm not saying there's not Christians out there who, have not been licked more than I have by it, but I don't know of a Christian that I've been in a conversation with that I feel has been so exhausted and emptied and depleted by doubt uh, and to still stick around and contend that Christianity still makes sense uh, in a way that I went through it. It was horrible. Uh, I ended up in counseling uh, on antidepressants, eventually having a relapse uh, after nearly 23 years. Uh, it was it was such agony. My family could see for, for me just living as an empty shell of a being. Uh, as I come home at night and I'd sit at the table and my joy was gone and I was detached 
And I just wanted to get outside in the backyard where I could just sit in a chair by myself and isolate and hope that I could finally come to a solution to dealing with these doubts. Like it, it felt like playing whack-a-mole, uh, like and these moles were the doubts and they just kept popping up and I was getting exhausted. And I, I just kept hoping I would read a book or have a moment or there'd be the spiritual experience where at last it would just finally lift and go away. Uh, and for some reason, it just stayed there. And then I started reading about other people who have went through doubts uh, and have been hammered by it and learning about, you know, St. John of the Cross and the Dark Night of the Soul and Mother Teresa and the book Come Be My Light and hearing about her arduous trials with it and thinking about scripture and what was going on there. And I literally can remember thinking, will I ever be able to enjoy being a Christian again? Will I ever be able to read my Bible and not just collect more doubts and uh, when I go to it because I'm having a hard time relating to it. And by God's grace, Tim, uh, in time, uh, he would give light at the end of the tunnel and it yeah. wasn't a train. And I'm so thankful that he would bring me through something that I couldn't imagine getting out of. And I'm so thankful that he protected me from letting go when I was on the cliff. And if anyone else is out there, it may seem like there's no way forward, but he can help us in ways we can't imagine. Our audience has two people here that have experienced that. I've told a little bit of my story on my channel, Dealing with Deconstruction, if people want to check that out. But you and I have both experienced this. Mine, not as severe, uh, severe as yours. Uh, mine stemmed a lot more from church herd and kind of questioning whether or not Jesus loved me in the same way that I felt like I was treated by some of the churches. But but I think the second step here is understanding that there are severities of doubt. And you have two people that were kind of in different degrees of doubt and kind of where you fall on that. And I know that you've talked in past episodes about the different types of doubt, like emotional doubt or intellectual doubt or volitional doubt. But talk to us a little bit about the, the degrees of doubt and how this can impact us as believers. Yeah, I mean, doubt is no joke, especially in today's culture of chaos. We're experiencing a crisis of belief as Christians are endlessly hammered by objections on social media and other outlets. Their once vibrant faith is like I said, playing whack-a-mole where they're fighting off countless objections, yeah. some of which are deconstructing their confidence as Christians. And as a result, people are exhausted, confused, and some are straddling the fence between belief and unbelief, and they could use a little shot of hope. And yet doubt comes in different degrees, all the way from mild to severe. Often doubt begins mild, but doubts metastasize if left unchecked. Uh, when it's mild, it's nothing crazy, but annoying, kind of like a pebble in a shoe. But when it's severe, it can feel like you're being spiritually filleted, as I mentioned. It's torturous, to say the least. Yeah, so I, I do want to. I want to kind of go back to the the mild doubt, but I, let, let's kind of start with the severe because I think a lot of people would probably find themselves uh, in this position. So when some, someone is suffering from severe doubt, what what might they be experiencing? Kind of lay that out for us. How would they diagnose it? People suffering from a severe case of doubt, Tim, uh, they are feeling uh, despair depression, mm. uh, 
obsessive uh, about their doubts uh, because the despair that, that, that they're encountering and the depression, they start obsessing on their doubts because they, they want to find a way out. Uh, they might feel forsaken, duped, uh, wondering how can they possibly live outside the Christian worldview? Like some might be thinking about becoming an apostate, but in the seat of uh, the chair as a Christian, they might find themselves, uh, you know, thinking like if I was to become an agnostic or an atheist or a Buddhist or a new ager, uh, what would that be like? So a lot of times uh, when you start thinking about what options do you have to go to? Um, that is a very dangerous spot. And I can remember being there. Uh, and I think it's important. You, you just kind of think, okay, well, uh, if I'm going to walk out of Christianity, then I'm going to become an atheist, let's say, or an agnostic. Well, what am I going to suffer with there? Um, because this, this struggle with wanting certainty is still going to exist as an atheist or as an agnostic because certainty requires omniscience and none of us are all knowing. Uh, so I would say uh, the person who is struggling is, is deconstructing. Uh, they might even be suicidal. Uh, they might, uh, as I said, be wondering if they're going to become an apostate. But if somebody didn't have a legit faith, uh, that person wouldn't be bothered. And the reason it feels so severe for people in this space of doubt, it's because their faith was so important to them and is important to them. They just don't know what is happening. And so the fact that one is feeling tortured by doubt is a sign that something real is being threatened, that what they have uh, as a Christian, uh, they realize it's being attacked, it's being threatened, and it's causing suffering deeply in their life. The person who uh, says that they were once a Christian became an apostate and started to doubt Christianity, but it wasn't hard at all. They just walked away from it. Well, that person must not have had a very meaningful Christian faith, so to speak, if it wasn't agonizing to walk away from. So all of this is what goes on in somebody who's experiencing severe doubt, Tim. I can imagine the, the, the person in severe doubt nodding their head along and saying, yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. That's exactly mm. what's going on in my life and, and really identifying with some of that story. And, and, and again, this episode is really to give some practical tips. And so the, the next one, step three, would be understanding that different severities of doubt, as we just talked about, helps to know what to do next. So like, as I mentioned, let's kind of go back to that person that's maybe in that mild doubt stage. What what practical mm -hmm. advice would you offer for that that person that's in that mild doubt stage first. Let, let's go there first. Yeah. And I think that what I would say is people who are suffering from severe doubt, uh, it started uh, with a mild case of doubt. It metastasized exactly. and it grew to become severe. So yeah. I would say, don't ignore your doubt just because it seems mild. Identify the type of doubt. Is it emotional doubt, intellectual doubt, spiritual doubt, volitional doubt. You can check out my book, Doubting Toward Faith, to learn more about some of these different types of doubts and to even hear more about my own story and agony as I went through a severe season of doubt. Mm -hmm. But you can ask what's causing the doubt too. So there might be different types of doubt, but what's causing it? 
Um, you know, for example, are you somebody that is now questioning what the Bible has to say about morality because maybe you're wanting to have an affair or because you uh, are having same-sex attractions and so you're just wanting to modify the Bible? Uh, so is it rooted in sin of sorts or is it rooted in the fact that you sense God calling you one direction, but you want to go another direction? So you're kind of having a battle of the wills. It's volitional doubt. Uh, you know, like Jonah who takes off and goes the opposite way. So I think it's important to monitor the doubt while it's in that minor stage, uh, because it can certainly grow. Yeah, and I, again, I completely agree. And the people that I've talked to that have, uh, you know, been on this journey of doubt, they did. They started with this so some questioning, some mild questioning, or whatever, and then it kind of moves to this severe doubt. So give give some advice for that person that's in that severe case of doubt. Well, how would you counsel them? Yeah. Uh, doubt can feel so lonely and it's it's a really hard uh, place to be to especially when you're you, you know you were going through it as a pastor like me and as an apologist i mean here i am uh, i got a national platform for doing christian apologetics i'm supposed to be offering offering answers to people and yet i'm struggling through some of this stuff um and i'm just by faith just trying to be faithful to what i feel called to get trying to work this stuff out it can be really lonely uh, for the pastors or apologists who have this because they don't feel like they're allowed to have these doubts and that's just an unfair expectation uh, anybody is susceptible uh, to it in fact i think about john the baptist he was on death row right and he sent his disciples off to find out if jesus really the messiah to make sure and he sent his disciples off with his doubts so he was vulnerable enough as a leader to realize hey i need to share this with them so i'd say you know, realize you're not alone. It, it feels lonely, but realize you're not alone. Seek out some counsel, I would say. If you're depressed, talk to a doctor. I mean, it might be that you need an antidepressant. Uh, there's no shame in needing that. I think that that should be a last resort, uh, not a first resort, but it could be that that could be helpful for you. Uh, we know that in the scriptures, when we think about what the Bible has to say, uh, you know, we're, we're to, you know, seek, you know, healing through faith and prayer. But, you know, Paul told Timothy, take a little bit of medicine, right? Take a little bit of alcohol for your stomach ache. So yeah, do totally. the practical thing and do the spiritual thing. What's that, Tim? Oh, I was just, I was completely agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah. As, as someone yeah. that has needed that in the past, if you need that, sure. It's, you know, get get that. Seek professional help. Yeah, totally. Continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, no, no. Good point. Uh, but when you think about C.S. Lewis, I like what he said. He said, now faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. For moods will change whatever view your reason takes. I know that by experience. Now that I am a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. But when I was an atheist, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. This rebellion of your moods against your real self is going to come anyway. This is why faith is such a necessary virtue. Unless you teach your moods where they get off, you can never be either a sound Christian or even a sound atheist. But just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs really dependent on the weather and the state of its digestion. So that's just a great statement by the wordsmith, uh, C.S. Lewis. And I'd also say, Tim, for those who are in a severe state of doubt, don't look for certainty. Uh, that is an unrealistic uh, thing to look for. There's no way that we can 
find certainty. It's, it's too high of a bar. The atheist can't get certainty. The agnostic can't. The Muslim can't. And neither can the Christian. We can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. We can have the spirit within us that gives us a sense of spiritual certainty, but that's not anything that we can go convince others with an airtight certainty, but we can trust in that assurance of the Holy Spirit. I would say don't throw in the towel if you're in this space. It, it can feel tempting to kind of let your hand go and to fall off the cliff, but hang in there. Uh, I would say don't overly obsess on your doubts. Uh, you know, give yourself a break from doubt, right? As Alistair McGrath said, uh, doubt is like an attention-seeking child. When you pay attention to it, it demands that you pay even more attention to it. And so I like to word it like this. We don't have to feel owned by our doubts. Isn't it time we learn how to disengage a bit, to take a little doubt break? There are other things to do in life besides doubt all the time. Uh, write someone a thank you card. Take uh, your spouse out for ice cream, play catch with your son, go bowling, take a vacation, watch a comedy, laugh a little, laugh a lot, cry if we must, but we must refuse to become compulsive with our doubts. That's no way to live. We may exist that way, but I guarantee we won't live. We need a doubt detox. Rest your mind a bit and give yourself permission to enjoy some of the simple things of life again. Don't worry about all your unanswered questions and trying to solve all of life's mysteries. There's more to life than that. Rather, give your doubts a bedtime and put them to sleep. Otherwise, otherwise they'll keep you up all the time. Shelve your doubts or even starve them. This isn't a cop-out. It's a respite. Later, when you feel mentally and emotionally ready, you can re-engage. Don't worry. Your doubts will be waiting for you. But this time, in a non-possessive way. Weaken the power of your doubts by refusing to overly obsess on them. It'll make a difference. Trust me. I wrote that in Doubting Toward Faith, and I think that that is something we need to do as well. Learn how to unlock. I love the idea of a doubt detox. And sometimes that comes with maybe a social media detox or maybe <laughs> right. a TV detox. Or, you know, if you're watching several YouTube videos, maybe people need to just pause this and and go on a vacation or take a walk for you know several days right. because we're in this information age where w the information is available. There's information on both sides, and and you know that the conversation is happening that this is true and this is true and this is true. So I, I I love that idea of sometimes we just need to take a step back. We just need to have a conversation with a loved one and and seek that counsel maybe in in person uh, and, and just maybe talk about something else. So I think that that leads us to kind of our our next step: some things not to do. Um, we need to understand that there are the things that we shouldn't be doing when we doubt. So Bobby, talk to us uh, about maybe just you know do the the typical pastor thing and kind of give us three things <laughs> that Christians should not do when they're they're kind of suffering from severe doubt. Yeah, and that's tough, right, to boil it down to three, Tim. But I, yeah. I think that there is some advice that could be given. And maybe the first thing I would share is don't panic. Hmm. Try and remain calm. Uh, and that is so huge. Uh, it's been said before that faith is the refusal to panic. Hmm. And I do believe that we can freak out. I remember one night, Tim, in the middle of the night, I was in the thick of the doubts and I started feeling like, God, are you out there and getting panicky? Like, what if God's not out there? And then I started thinking about my situation that I'm 
existing on this planet called Earth. And it, it's just this big blue chunk of rock that is moving at speeds so unbelievable that it would take your breath away that we're moving so fast that we don't even realize we're moving as we're ripping, um, you know, around the sun. And I found myself freaked out, like literally thinking, oh my word, I'm going so fast right now. God, I need to know that you're out there. <laughs> and I mean, it was overwhelming. And then to think about, oh, you know what? He sustains us right by the power of his word and it was like such a rest to be able to to realize that god's holding all this together uh, but at the at that moment of uh, the thought of like no god out there and i'm just on a chunk of rock moving at speeds so fast that i can't even begin to comprehend it had me in a panic attack. I mean, I literally, it, it sounds so stupid, yeah. the things that can get in our head, but I was freaking out, Tim. I mean, this was like yeah. legit stuff that I can, that I can remember. And so I would say, don't panic. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'd say, uh, it, it, I, I was just going to, I was going to, well, I was going to add uh, that panic. Bobby has probably panicked enough for both of you already. So uh, benefit <laughs> Thanks, from the benefit from Bobby's panic, uh, avail yourself of the resources that Bobby has put out for you. And, uh, and, and then, and then what were you going to say? What's the second one that, yeah, that Christian yeah. should not do? Yeah. I've joked about uh, myself before, you know, I'm calling myself pastor panic. Um, yeah. But, you know, fortunately I have not been in that space of anxiety and panic and, uh, you know, I've been a lot more even killed these days, Tim. It's been kind of nice. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I would say uh, the serenity prayer is just helpful too with the don't panic. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Hmm. I would say also, Tim, as a second point, is don't jump ship. Um, you know, that is don't become an apostate. Uh, to walk away from Christianity is just to inherit another set of doubts. And so uh, stay put. Think about, um, you know, what other questions and doubts that people of other worldviews struggle with. Because that was one of the things that really helped me is I could think about, okay, if I was an atheist, if I was an agnostic, if I was a Buddhist, and all of a sudden this is where the benefit of doubts start to make an apologist. You start mm -hmm. thinking sharper. You start learning how uh, to come up with questions that you would ask others of other worldviews. And so stay put. I mean, God could be making an apologist out of you in this time. And then finally, I would just say, don't self-destruct or contemplate taking your life. Uh, this, it, this is horrific, but people with a lot of doubt, especially those in the ministry that might feel like goodness. If I don't, um, you know, if I come out as an apostate, then I'm going to let my family down and my church down. And it's just so overwhelming. And I just want to say, don't believe that suicide is the option to your doubts. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Get totally. some help and try not to panic. And God can bring you through this dark night of the soul.
I want to highlight one thing that you said that number two on the don't jump ship is you're going to inherit another set of doubts. I mean, if you're willing to put on the skeptical cap, particularly when it comes to your worldview of Christianity, you have to then realize that you should be or you ought to be then skeptical of something else that you might step into. And we've talked about that uh, before on this channel uh, several times. So, Bobby, any final thoughts for our audience as we leave them today? I just want people to leave feeling hope, relief, and I know that when you're doubting, what you really want is to believe again. You want that faith like a child to believe again. And that's what I would say. You know what? Ask God to give you that faith like a child, for such is the kingdom of God. And I, I really pray that we did offer some hope and relief and, and that people can kind of follow some of these steps on their journey and avail themselves of, of other resources on our channel and on other channels. And, and so I want to put a, a, just a call out to our audience. If you are, are trying to understand your doubts and, and whether it's your doubts or maybe it's a friend of yours that are doubting, I'm sure you know somebody that is probably in this camp that we have a whole playlist on our channel on understanding your doubts. And so if you're in that or if you're looking for conversations, like this one to be helpful, we would just say, hey, check out some of the other resources that we have. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put it right here in the card and you can click on that. And uh, if not, you can check it out, our YouTube channel and look at the playlist. So with that, we will meet you on the next time we talk about Christianity Still Making Sense. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show is sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.